All right, how y'all doing? <laughs> Gosh, is it great to see you. Man, mm. um, see your eyes anyway. I'm assuming you're smiling underneath those masks. All right, uh, tell you what, do me a favor, just uh, turn to somebody near you. I'm not going to shake hands because we can't do that, but give the person next to you at least an air high five or a fist bump, will you? Air fist bump, air five, high five. We are back, and it is great to be back. And, uh, you know, it cracks me up that uh, the day we're reopening in person, my folks, my mom and dad that were on the screen there, it's their very last Sunday of full-time ministry after 62 years. It's amazing. Isn't that incredible? Yeah. And I don't know about you what your takeaway was from that, but my takeaway is that my brother got the free job with my dad and I had to fight for my own. How about you? <laughs> uh, that, that's kind of what I heard. Anyway, welcome. Any, any uh, younger siblings in the room? I love you guys. I feel your pain. <laughs> um, I'll tell you what, let me say a prayer and then we're going to dive in and talk, uh, take another step in this series, uh, The Jesus I Never Knew, okay? Father God, it is so good to be here this morning. And Lord, I know it has been a crazy Difficult, challenging, uh, at times grief-ridden year. But at the end of the day, Lord, we trust in your goodness and your love and your provision. Thank you for the space. Thank you for these people. Thank you for our staff. Thank you for, most of all, for Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen. You know, when someone bursts on the scene and kind of blows us away, I think it's easy to be wowed by what we see, and not think about the process that led to that moment. You know what I'm talking about? Somebody just kind of bursts on the scene, and we're like wowed by, by what we see, but we don't recognize and notice all the process that went into leading up to that moment, all the work behind the scenes that paved the way for this person to kind of shine. Uh, take Amanda Gorman, all right? I think we all recognize Amanda Gorman, right? Okay. Uh, you know, her performance at the presidential inauguration, I mean, just kind of thrust her into the national spotlight, Right? In a matter of moments, I mean, within 24 hours, her books of poetry just like surged to the top of the national bestsellers list. Um, suddenly on Twitter, you know, she was interacting with celebrities like Oprah Winfrey and Lin-Manuel Miranda. I mean, in a matter of days, I mean, millions of people were suddenly poetry lovers, right? It was amazing, wasn't it? You know, she was featured on the Super Bowl. But I think what we find oftentimes is that behind every story of triumph, there's a process, Right? Behind every story like this, there actually is a process. And Amanda Gorman is really no exception. Uh, Gorman was raised by a single mother, a sixth grade teacher in Los Angeles. She's a proud member of the Speech Difficulty Club and has spent countless hours working to overcome that challenge. She's a Harvard grad, puts days and days of research into every single one of her poems. You see, Amanda Gorman didn't just show up and suddenly wow people with her poetry. No, she worked really, really hard over many, many years to become the person we've got to know over the past several months. Here's why this is so important. In a similar way, Jesus didn't just show up one day and blow everyone away with his presence. In a similar way, Jesus didn't just all of a sudden burst onto the scene and blow everybody away with his presence. Uh, the fact that he was fully divine and fully human means that his life also had a process. Yeah, the fact that he was fully divine and fully human means his life actually had a process as well. Jesus actually grew up. Did you ever think about that? Think about it. Jesus actually grew up. And so today, like Jeff said, we continue this series, The Jesus I Never Knew. And in this series, we're focusing on a side of Jesus that I think we often neglect. We often tend to overlook. It's his humanity. 
I think we tend to focus on his divinity, right? The fact that he is God, and we almost disregard his humanity. As a matter of fact, one scholar writes this. He says, it's almost as though a lot of Christians think of Jesus as God wearing a human mask. He's sort of faking it, pretending to be human. He pretends to perspire. His stomach only appears to gurgle because, of course, he's not really hungry. In fact, he doesn't need to eat. So Jesus is the bionic son of God who isn't really human. (laughs) But you see, Jesus actually is God and Jesus is also fully human. And there are problems when his humanity isn't a part of our image of God. For one, if Jesus is only divine, he can't really understand the things that we're going through. Think about that. If he's only divine, he can't really understand what we're going through. If he's superhuman, he doesn't understand our pain, our challenges, our struggles. If Jesus is somehow superhuman, is it really fair for him to expect us to follow him? I mean, isn't that like, you know, Superman or or Wonder Woman expecting us to fly without giving us any superpowers? I mean, it seems unfair and unrealistic. And for that reason, see, I believe that understanding Jesus' humanity, his humanity is as important to following him as believing that he is Lord. Because in his humanity, don't miss this, Jesus shows us what it truly means to be human. Think about that. In his humanity, Jesus actually shows us what it means to truly be human. And as a human being, Jesus didn't just burst on the scene as a finished product. No, he fully entered into the human experience. Jesus actually grew up. Jesus actually grew up. Say that after me, okay? Jesus actually grew up. Yeah, right. He actually grew up. Now, we know that Jesus was born an infant, right? Grew through childhood into adulthood. But have you ever stopped to think about uh, what the process of growing up was like for him? Do you ever think about what it was like for him to grow up? He lived approximately 33 years. That's about 12,000 days. And since he was human, he probably slept for about 4,000 of those days. But how did he spend the remaining 8,000 days? I mean, what did he do with all that time? Video games? (laughs) Probably not. And if you count up every story that we find about Jesus in the first books of the New Testament, the first four books, the Gospels, They only count for about 100 days, and the vast majority of those days are within his last three years, and so we really know very little about his life from birth until baptism. Author Trent Shepard says this about that time. He asks, what was Jesus doing for most of his life? What was he doing? Jesus was doing what each and every one of us does. He was working and resting. Learning and growing, eating and thinking, laughing and mourning, and day by day discerning his vocation. And Jesus was doing all of that with friends and family in the enjoyable and challenging context of the community he called home. Let that picture of Jesus just kind of sink into your mind for a minute. Working and resting, learning and growing, eating and thinking, laughing and mourning. Do you tend to think of Jesus like that? I'm guessing most of us probably don't. All we know about Jesus from his birth until baptism at age 30 is one story. One story. All we have about Jesus from birth to baptism is one single story. Uh, Luke, the doctor and historian, he records this story of Jesus. Jesus is 12 years old and he goes to Jerusalem with his parents for the Passover celebration. Now, this was a big, big deal back then. Extended family would come together and they would travel for miles to go to the Passover in Jerusalem. And Jesus must have had a rather large extended family because there was a, they were a full day in their return trip back to Nazareth from Jerusalem before Jesus' parents suddenly realized Jesus is not around. Jesus is missing. 
Jesus is lost. I can't help but think, oh my goodness, the redemption of all of humanity now rests on Mary and Joseph finding Jesus. <laughs> Talk about pressure as parents, right? I remember one time when our family was together at my mom and dad's house, and uh, we would play wiffle ball when the kids were little. And so we were playing wiffle ball and having a good time when somebody said, hey, uh, where's Caleb? Caleb was about three years old at the time. He's like 22 now, so this is a couple years ago. Uh, Caleb, uh, my nephew, uh, was missing. And so we began to search the yard, frantically looking for him. You know, we, we searched the main level of the house. We searched the basement. I mean, everybody tried to keep calm, but you know how it goes. As every second ticks by, it feels like an eternity, right? When a little one's lost. Then we began to search the perimeter of the yard. We went across the street to the field nearby and still no Caleb. I mean, my mom, his grandmother was like seconds away from calling the police when all of a sudden Caleb emerges out of an old dog doghouse that was on top of a pile of wood sitting next to the garage. And Caleb was feeling quite proud of his ability to hide. We were not proud of his inability to hear us when we were yelling for him, let me tell you. And so as you would expect, I mean, Jesus is missing. Mary and Joseph are frantic. They're frantic. And they start looking all over him. They look all over the place. Finally find him in the temple, sitting among teachers, listening and asking questions. They look all over the place. They finally find him in the temple, listening and asking questions. Obviously, they're frustrated. They had to be worried sick about him. And yet Jesus responds like this. Check out what he says. He says, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? Now, we don't have tone here, right? All right? Now, if I was Jesus, I know that's a stretch, and I was 12 years old, it probably would have been something like, didn't you know I'd be in my father's house? You know, some smart aleck response like that, right? I'd like to think that for Jesus, it was more like, sorry, but didn't you know I'd be in my father's house? I don't know. So we don't know if Jesus' response spiked Mary and Joseph's heart rate or if it actually calmed them down some. But they'd found him. They returned to Nazareth. And then the story ends with these fascinating words right here. We read these words in Luke 2.52. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. Now, when Luke the writer uses that word grew right there, Jesus grew, it's an interesting word in the original language of the New Testament, and it means to beat forward. When Jesus grew, it means he, it, to beat forward, almost like uh, an explorer using a machete to kind of like cut his way through some dense field or wilderness that's overgrown. I mean, it took some work, some effort, right? Or it could be the image of a blacksmith just pounding away at some red hot metal trying to form it into some sort of a useful tool. And I think Luke's point in using this particular word is that he wants us to understand that Jesus grew like the rest of us do. By making hard choices, being intentional, moving forward one step at a time. See, growth takes effort, and we see this in Jesus. Now, before I go any further, let me just make something perfectly clear, okay? This effort to grow for Jesus was not about earning God's favor, all right? This effort to grow was not about earning God's favor. And our efforts to grow, it's not about earning God's favor. Let me just say this loud and clear, okay? We are saved and we find our way back to God only by the grace we find in Jesus. Full stop. However, Dallas Willard, author and former professor of philosophy at USC, I love what he writes here. He says this, grace is not opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. Think about that. Grace is not opposed to effort, it's opposed to earning. 
Big difference, huh? See, growing as an apprentice of Jesus, that's what we are. We're apprentices of Jesus. We aspire to be like him, to follow him, to become more and my, more like him. It's not about earning, all right? But it's going to require effort, folks. Are you with me? Give me a nod of the head. It's going to require effort. And like it did for Jesus, our growth is going to involve struggling, making hard choices, and being intentional and moving forward one step at a time so that we can experience all that God wants for us. You know, when we talk about growing as a Christ follower, taking your next steps, and you're going to hear us talk about that. If you're new, you're going to hear us talk about that just about every week, all right? And we want this to be a safe place where you can go at your own pace, but guess what? We're also going to push you and stretch you and nudge you along. And you know why? It's because we want you to experience all that God wants you to experience. Jesus talks about us living an abundant life, a full life. We want that for you. Yeah, growing as an apprentice is not about earning, but it's going to require effort like it did for Jesus. Man, our growth is going to involve struggling, making hard choices, being intentional. So in what ways did Jesus grow? What ways did Jesus grow? Well, Luke tells us how he grew. He grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and in favor with the people. I want to take a look at those four ways that Jesus grew. First, wisdom. Jesus grew in wisdom. You might call that Jesus' mental growth. His mental growth. Uh, remember, Jesus, <laughs> I don't know if you think of him this way, he wasn't born a Rhodes Scholar, okay? It's not like he came out of the womb, you know, knowing calculus and quantum physics, okay? I didn't know calculus or quantum physics when I came out of college, let alone the womb. He had to learn skills to help his father in the carpenter shop. He had to learn and memorize scripture in order to become a rabbi. And see, like Jesus we too have to become learners. Think about that. And yet it can be so easy, I think, at times to stall out in this area of growth as we move through adulthood. I find that one of the greatest barriers to growing is knowing. One of the greatest barriers to growing, I think, is actually knowing. Because what happens? We become satisfied with what we already know. We get content, don't we? We don't question our assumptions. We, we don't open ourselves up to diverse viewpoints. We don't explore new ideas. But see, Jesus grew in wisdom, and so much of what we see in him is a growth in his mind and a learning that was countercultural to the accepted ways of thinking, spiritually, socially, religiously. I mean, all of that was forged in his commitment to grow his mind. So let me just ask you right now, all right? How are you growing in wisdom? I mean, what are you doing to stretch your mind as an apprentice of Jesus? What are you doing, really, to not just accept what you're told, but to really push back against the cultural norms like Jesus did? Well, we're also told that Jesus grew in stature. And you might call this his uh, physical growth. His physical growth. You know, we don't tend to think of Jesus this way either, do we? Do you ever think about Jesus skinning his knee, you know, playing soccer with the local kids in the neighborhood? Do you ever think about that? Do you ever think about Jesus going through the same phases of growth that all of us did, you know, as, as a teenager, you know, squeaky voice, raging hormones? Jesus grew physically. And, you know, I think for us, when it comes to our physical uh, selves, I think most of us struggle to find a healthy place on the spectrum of intentional growth. I think on the one hand, we can sometimes just be overly consumed with our physical selves. We get obsessed with our appearance and our health. But then on the other side, I think, you know, we can also downplay the importance of our physical bodies and let them slide into neglect. And I think healthy physical growth kind of falls in the middle somewhere. 
And caring for our physical bodies is an important aspect of stewarding what we've been given. Paul, one of the greatest leaders in the early church, he said this. He said, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? Did you know when you choose to follow Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you. The Holy Spirit lives in this body. We got to take care of this body, right? Now, I recognize that some aspects of this are outside of our control. Sometimes it's hereditary or genetic. You've already seen my mom and dad. I think I have another picture of them here. If there are any indication, I have few excuses. They both turned 80 last year, and with the exception of my mom's poor eyesight, um, they remain in amazingly good health. Now, some of you, as you know now, my, my dad is one of our location pastors. Been in full-time ministry for over 60 years, 17 years here at Community. He's retiring in two weeks. Today's actually his last Sunday. I was texting with him before the service. He's saying, I'm praying for you, thankful for you. I mean, I didn't even know what to say to my dad today. He said, I'm proud of you, man. It's incredible. What faithfulness. <laughs> the other day he said he's thinking about hiring a life coach so he can figure out what's next. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? But see, part of what I think has allowed my mom and dad to be so active all these years is they did a pretty good job of stewarding their physical health. I'll admit this is an area of growth in which I can sort of be hot and cold. And when I say hot, I mean hot chocolate. And when I say cold, I mean ice cream. <laughs> it may not look like it. I like food way more than I like exercise, folks. But I do think if we're serious about growing as a whole person, we have to take serious our physical well-being. And Jesus grew in stature. Well, he also grew in favor with God. Another interesting one. Think about that. Jesus grew in his relationship with God. Again, I think sometimes we have this image of Jesus coming to earth in the manger as a baby, kind of thumbs up to God saying, okay, mission accomplished. I'm here as a baby. Don't we? I mean, <laughs> it's not like that. Now, Jesus became fully human, which means he had to learn to grow spiritually, had to cultivate that relationship with his father and this may not be a newsflash, but folks, we too have to be intentional about growing spiritually if we hope to experience all that God has in store for us. It's not going to happen by accident. And something that strikes me when I look at Jesus' life is how intentional he was about pursuing time with his heavenly father. Example after example in scripture. Right here, very early in the morning, while it was dark, he got up, left the house, and went away to a solitary place where he prayed. Another example, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Folks, we, we have so many, so many resources available to us when it comes to this. Bible apps, prayer apps. We've got more books than you can imagine on spiritual formation. We've got biblical teaching through podcasts and, and videos on your smartphone. Resources is not the issue. We've got the right tools. What we have to do, folks, is get intentional about this. Intentional about spending time with the Father and creating those opportunities on a regular basis. Jesus grew in favor with God. How about you? What's that looking like for you right now? Do an honest assessment. I mean, really. Are you being intentional about that? All right, finally, Jesus grew in favor with people. We might consider this his relational growth. I mean, he spent all sorts of time and energy growing meaningful relationships with the people around him. All sorts of time. Incredible. He was in such demand, but still invested relationally. I want you to look at this next picture. 
I'm going to age myself just a little bit, but I'm going to go ahead and ask for a show of hands if you recognize what that is. All right, cool. Even those that are younger than me know what that is, right? Oh, my goodness. Uh, These would never be allowed in a park today. I mean, the liability insurance alone would be way too costly. You'd have to wear a helmet, like a padded jacket. You'd probably have to sign a waiver of some kind before you you could even get, like, within 10 feet of this contraption. But when I was a kid, I mean, this was standard fare in almost every park. And the idea was you'd you'd grab one of those bars, you'd start spinning that thing around as fast as you possibly could, and then as it got going faster and faster, what do you do? That's right, you jump on that thing, don't you? And what I remember is when you jump on it, this is the kind of the cool thing about it, you know, is that that you'd get going real fast and all of a sudden the rest of the world would sort of kind of become a blur, wouldn't it? And if you'd go fast enough, the people around you would almost like not be recognizable. Go with me for just a minute on this, okay? Man, I think life can be like that. And I don't know about you, but I get so busy spinning from one thing to the next that I sometimes fail to slow down and invest in the people and relationships that mean the most to me. And before I know it, the people around me become a blur. And I hardly recognize them. And wow, this past year has been incredible, hasn't it? Relationally. So let me just ask you, who needs you to stop spinning? Who needs you to get off the merry-go-round and spend some relational time with them? You know, our mission here at Community is helping people find their way back to God. And we talk about doing that as we reach people who are far from God, restore God's dream for our world, right? We know that there's a lot of places in our world that aren't experiencing the dream that God had for them when he came up with this idea, the idea of of a city called Chicago that would sit at the bottom of Lake Michigan. There are too many people in places that aren't experiencing the dream God had for them. We need to be about restoring that dream or coming alongside the organizations and nonprofits that are already doing that. And we want to reproduce this mission and other. We want to start churches all over the city, all over the country, all over the world. But folks, it's all about people. It's all about people. And I would guess that for some of you, you, know, you feel like COVID kind of gave you the chance to get off the merry-go-round. And maybe you went deeper in some relationships than you have in a long, long time. And if that's the case, man, I'm, I'm glad you did. I think Lisa and I spent more time in the last year together than we probably did the previous five years. She's still with me, thankfully. And I know for others, you know, you feel like COVID was no break at all. As a matter of fact, you kept spinning maybe faster than ever. And I know many of us, I mean, myself included, just struggled through the isolation, man. It was just hard. It was hard relationally, wasn't it? Whatever the case may be, my prayer is that we come out of this pandemic. I mean, this is our first in-person service in over a year. Incredible. My prayer is that we will come out of this pandemic more intentional than ever to grow in our love for God and our love for each other, that we will truly prioritize relationships like never before. And the people in this neighborhood, the people in this community, the people in this city will say, you know what? That right there, that is a church who cares about and loves on people in tangible ways. I mean, Jesus took time to cultivate relationships with the people around him, whether it was his 12 disciples, the women who were a part of his uh, team that traveled with him, or that lone blind man who stood by the road. Jesus just had this uncanny ability to connect with people and care about people. And so he grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and in favor with all the people. 
He didn't see himself as a finished product. He grew. And in his growing, okay, see, in his growing, he shows us what it means to be fully human. Don't miss that. So, right, to be fully human is to grow. If you're not growing, then you're not really, you're not living what it means to be fully human. And that's what God and that's what Jesus wants for us. So I want to wrap up with two quick takeaways, okay, real quick here. Two quick takeaways. First, I want you to know that you have the grace to grow. You have the grace to grow. You see, because Jesus went through what you and I go through, he understands that you're not a finished product. He knows that you are in process. And I don't know about you, but that's something I need to hear regularly because I get all over myself quite frequently for not being as far along as I thought I would be by now. But God knows I've got room to grow. He's not going to give up on me. He's not going to give up on you. And the fact that we are in process means that we don't have to get defensive when we are confronted or, you know, when, we're, when somebody speaks to us about a belief or an action that might not be in line with Jesus' kingdom desires for earth and what he wants us to experience. And it also means that we can come to Jesus with our messiness and our broken lives because he knows what it's like to be us. Think about that. He knows what it's like to be you. And at the same time, he also sees in us the person we could become. And so to be fully human is to have the grace to grow, but it also means you accept the challenge to grow. Because Jesus loves you as you are, but you know what? He loves you too much to leave you where you are. He loves you just as you are, but he loves you too much to let you stay there. And he wants us to take next steps relationally, physically, mentally, and spiritually. And I just want to tell you, real practical, okay, because we like to get practical here, takeaways, hands-on stuff, all right? We've got a great tool to help you look at these four areas of your life and take next steps, all right? We call it the RPM's practice. The RPM's practice. Say that after me, okay? RPM's practice. All right. All right, very good. Think of the RPM's in a motor. My wife, this week, she uh, was going out to the suburbs. Car started, like, pittering out on the expressway, right on 55, worst case scenario, right? And the RPM's just started dialing down, and she knew she was in trouble. All right, but that's what RPMs do, right? They tell you how well a motor is running so that it keeps your vehicle moving forward, right? Well, we want to keep you moving forward in your relationship with Jesus. And so if you text, all right, if you text RPMs to 331-226-1686, okay, just text those four letters, RPMs, to 331-226-1686, we will send you a tool that will help you look at these four areas of your life and continue to take steps forward in your walk with Christ. And, and let me just add, okay, uh, don't do this on your own, all right? I mean, that's why we gather here every Sunday is because, you know, we want to grow together. So make it a point to be here every single week. And that's why we have small groups. Jeff talked about it earlier. We're not intended to do this on our own. We're in this together to grow together. So text RPMs to 331-226-1686. And remember, Jesus grew relationally, physically, mentally, and spiritually. And in doing so, he shows us what it means to be fully human. He shows us what it means to be fully human, and he also shows us what it looks like um, to be like him. All right? All right. Let's, see what, let's pray. Father God, we, uh, wow, it's, it's incredible. It's incredible, almost, almost impossible to fully grasp that you, your son Jesus, was fully human and fully divine. And today, God, we're grateful for we're grateful, Jesus, for your humanity. Lord, that uh, you were intentional about your growth, that you didn't, didn't come as a fully formed human, but, you know, you went through a process of growth, and in doing so, you show us what it looks like to be fully human. 
And so, God, I pray that that would be an encouragement to us as we, you know, look at ourselves and we recognize the areas where we still have to grow, whether it be relationally, physically, mentally, or spiritually. And, and Lord, that we will look to you and we will take hope knowing that you grew in those areas too. Lord, that you give us the grace to grow knowing that we're, we're not a finished product, um, that we're flawed, that we make mistakes, but you know that. You know us well, but you also know us well enough and love us so much you're not going to let us stay there. Lord, help us to accept the challenge to grow. Lord, to follow your lead, to be encouraged by, by the people that we surround ourselves with here at community and our small groups. Lord, so that we can take those next steps, knowing that we've got a team of people, a community of faith that's, that's standing behind us, standing alongside us, urging us and challenging us and holding us accountable to the growth that we know we need to take to move forward and grow, grow closer to you. We love you, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen.